welcome to the How Did That Work Out podcast, where we share, explore, as well as inspect internally and externally a variety of our life situations, as well as others, all for the purpose of answering, how did that work out? I'm your host, Graham. And I'm your host, Mike J. Here we go. Snowmageddon. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. What do we want to call that? The great tundra of 21, you know, like there'll be something that we refer to it as and our, our kids will like be sort of emotionally scarred by it for life. <laughs> well, I, maybe we ought to get our listeners up to speed here. And, and that is that, you know, basically we live in Texas and so we, uh, we're part of that whole week-long snow, ice, sleet, power outage storm, which we withered. And uh, we did certainly feel the effects, uh, especially with the freezing cold, obviously, snow. And, you know, I don't know how many inches it was, but even if it was just one inch, you know, for Texas, that's a big deal because it just usually doesn't snow very, very regularly. And then we had our rolling power outages. Uh, our longest stretch uh, was we counted at seven hours. Uh, what was your, what was your situation? We had an eight hour, uh, situation and, and that felt pretty, and that's the worst we had it. You know, uh, we got through it relatively unscathed. We had a couple frozen pipes, but Mm -hmm. we were diligent and we hopped on it quick. We knew it happened quickly and you know that space heater you loaned us <laughs> that was that was heating up the uh, the laundry room on freezing those laundry pipes um it, it it was the uh the 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 damage was more just the unknown like how long is this going to go on you know do we have enough right. food do, you know we have small child well and that's that's the thing about this particular storm is that it wasn't just that, ooh, burr, it was cold. It was, mm-hmm. you know, negative 12 w- with wind chill, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, when you have power outages, you don't have heat. Yeah. And power outages uh, were, although they were sporadic during the day, they hit hardest at night. Um, so, you know, I remember having to, you know, bundle up with a winter coat, you know, in bed just to try to get some sleep, which that doesn't always work out that well. And, but to also then know that you're basically cut off. I mean, our cellular service, every time we'd lose power, our cellular service, you know, tanked as well. So we didn't even have cellular. Same here. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. And so obviously when you don't have power, you also don't have internet, right? And if you mm. don't have cellular, you don't have internet or phone. Mm. Um, and with the roads being unpassable, we couldn't even go to the store to get things if we needed it. Not that they would even have anything on the shelves, even if we did make it right. So this was kind of like the, you know, the catastrophe that, you know, and again, on, maybe on a smaller scale, but this was about as close to a, a, a natural disaster almost on all levels because also our, you know, we had water shortages, which means we also had to boil water or we're still having to boil water. Actually, we're still boiling water. And this is, uh, mm-hmm. well, now it's, uh, you know, Saturday that we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, gosh, it, it would be a, a week, mm-hmm. uh, yesterday 
a full week, yeah? yeah. So we're a little bit, we're one day past a week, and we're still having to boil water. Water pressure is not fully restored, I don't think. So again, I mean, we've got these, definitely have these issues. And then, and then you know, for me personally, to add insult to injury, I also lost my dad a week ago, you know, during all this. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, so sorry. Yeah. Man. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, lost him due to COVID. And, oh, wow. you know, that it was, it was hard enough that he was in another state. And thankfully, I got to say goodbye. I, I'm just, I'm grateful. I mean, he, he, he wasn't conscious, but, you know, my, my uh, relatives, you know, held the phone to his ear. And I at least got to say a few words. And so maybe it was more for me than it was for him. But, um, did get to say goodbye, but obviously couldn't see him. Even if I had wanted to, even if we didn't have a pandemic, you know, we were socked in with this snow. So there was no flights. Yeah. There was no, you know, none of that. And then when you add the pandemic on top of all of that, then what you have, you know, is a situation where, well, do I fly or do I drive? And then, you know, again, winter weather, there was just, there were no good answers, yeah, yeah, the weather's like you ain't doing shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there there were really no good answers, you know, whatsoever and um and so yeah, that that made it even even harder. Um but in any case, that, you know, that was essentially, you know, the week from hell and and I say that, you know, I mean, for me going without power and you know, having to bundle up to stay warm. I mean, that, that was, you know, I had to do that in my military days. We had generator outages, you know, overseas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you kept warm by any means necessary, you know, uh, you know, whether it's layered clothing and, you know, all that gets to no power, you know, reading, you know, by flashlight or writing a letter by flashlight. For, for me, that was a, a throwback. But for my wife, that was a, a fresh misery she had never really experienced before in her life. <laughs> Brand new emotional torture. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps us feel real, you know, like men, you know, whereas, you know, the women, they, yeah, there's, there's a, they didn't do so hot. a piece of it. Yeah, well, it, there's a piece of it where you're like, it's survival mode. Yes. I've got to protect my frontier. Yes. And... Yeah, it was a throwback for me, you know, the cold Michigan winters and um, realizing like, oh, we don't have any power, but you can still light the gas stove with yes. a match and have a nice meal. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. little stupid shit. What was the, oh, yeah, one of my, oh, duh moments is, you know, we were dripping faucets to avoid them from freezing and all that drippage is just going down the drain away yeah and i was like wait a minute dummy and this was like on the third day uh -huh. why don't you capture that water and use it for something <laughs> <laughs> just basic stuff wait a minute <laughs> yeah yeah you're just wasting water but i have to no you know use it you know that stove thing is very funny because we tried turning on our fireplace which is gas and they they were throttling mm. the gas so the flames mm -hmm started you know half the height they normally are and then they started st then the flames started getting smaller and smaller and so we just turned it off and and i told my wife i said look you know we can turn on the stove we the igniter is electric but the gas 
still out of flow. Right. Unless they're throttling it so bad you can't even get a flame. And and I said, why don't you get our barbecue lighter and you know light one of the burners? And she's like, oh no no no, I don't want to do that. So I did it. I showed her, and it was almost like, you know, cave woman in fire. Like, as soon as I lit it, she's like, turn it off. I don't want to blow up. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't want this abomination in my house. It does, it's not supposed to work that way. You know, I'm, a, I'm a sorcerer. I bring fire into the home. and <laughs> Yeah. Witchery. <laughs> so, yeah. So. And he was king from thereafter. <laughs> So, you know, we would definitely take advantages of power to, you know, use the microwave and or the stove or whatever, but God forbid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, our problems were pretty first world, you know, and that was, that was easy to deal with. It, it, it never got gritty. It never got threat, like seriously threatening, you know, we, we did all right. The impassable roads. Now there's something, um, you, you know, you might not have your services half of our community didn't have gas electric or water for a week right and those people we know some of those people we got one report you know it's 43 degrees there's no nothing and we're all just huddled in the middle of the living room under a blanket tent yeah so but the impassable roads you know our municipality not prepped to to handle that so that was cute. They threw some sand on the on the main parkway, <laughs> but, that, but that was it. Yeah, but when it happens, you know, once a generation or two generations, it doesn't make sense to stock up on trucks and salt, you know, for the for the maybes, right? I mean, elsewhere it's kind of a given, right? For here, this was a freak, you know, occurrence. So forecasted freak occurrence. Well, that's true. That's true. They did see it coming. And the, that's why the power outages were so egregious, in my opinion, because they knew the storm was coming. You can, if you buy power, you know, from suppliers and packages, if you know a storm's coming, why wouldn't you stock up like you'd stock up on water, you know, or food? Or, but instead, you wait until it's, you know, a tragedy, and then you have to introduce those rolling blackouts to keep the rest of the grid up and running, and then you're buying power at a premium, mm-hmm. at a very high premium, because you're reacting, you know, instead of preparing and being proactive about it. So to me, that was the biggest, um, you know, failure. And, I, and and it's not really the Texas government. It's it's that ERCOT conglomerate or whatever, that board, which my wife tells me, uh, I think only one member of that board actually lives in Texas. The rest all live in other places in the country. One lives in Canada. <laughs> So they weren't really localized, right, to our plight. Well, in, isn't ERCOT primarily, isn't their function to be regulatory, not to be sort of like executive or administrative? Is that right? Um, I, I want to say yes, but I do understand, though, because we did have rolling blackouts back in 2011, I think, and that ERCOT mm. came to the forefront again, and ERCOT actually... Um, it is a, it's a, it's a, a group of electric suppliers that, you know, formed a board, right? So it's my understanding though, that they can buy power wholesale from other grids and, th- and they have that ability to do that. And then they can then distribute it amongst the members of ERCOT, right? The members of that board. And so regardless, as a board, they did not 
see far enough ahead to say, wait a minute, you know, we got a storm coming. Why don't we stock up on, on power from other grids, you know, so we have it in case we need it. And if we right. don't need it, you know, but you're, you're buying it at a lower tier versus when you buy it during a, a natural, a natural disaster of sorts, then yeah. you're going to pay a very high premium. So they so they do have that ability because the members of ERCOT are power companies, so they can buy power, you know, in wholesale, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, I heard, I heard you say that. Um, so they, among others in Texas, could have uh, purchased some of that electricity in advance in case we needed it. Also could have purchased some snow plows or rented yeah 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 a lot more could have been done by a lot more people at a higher level I'll say that you know we, we've had a lot of false alarms in this in this area you know central texas right but uh, texas is a, is a big place and i think that you know we've had so many false alarms you know uh, double hurricanes come in and everybody empties the shells of water and then you know we get you know, maybe a, a passing, you know, drizzle. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I almost wonder if certain, you know, certain people just didn't take it as seriously as it, as it should have been only because of the past where, you know, everybody's made big preparations, they, you know, close schools and they, you know, deploy the national guard. And, you know, the worst you get is a, you know, is a, <laughs> you know, the worst you get is a, a you know, a passing shower. It's quite possible, but being the next door neighbor of a city like New Orleans, you, you think we would kind of take some of those lessons and apply them to our own backyard. <laughs> Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was definitely, um, you know, and I've lived in, I've lived in, in a snow belt. I, you know, I've lived, you know, on the mm. East coast. And so I've, I've done blizzards and I've done all of that, but I also grew up in, in California. Mm -hmm. And, uh, now that I live in Texas, I mean, there's a reason I moved to Texas and didn't move, you know, to Wisconsin or Minnesota or, you know, so, and, the, and <laughs> the, the lack of snow was one of those reasons, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why, why I chose Texas, but, uh, you're right though. It was kind of first world. But the hardest part was not knowing how long it was going to last. I, I myself didn't sleep for three nights, you know, with, you know, between the news of my dad, but then with the power outages and the cold, but then also, you know, I use a, a breathing machine, a CPAP, um, you know, for sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. And so you, when you have power, you put the mask on, you fall asleep, power goes out and there's no air being, being pushed so you feel like you're suffocating. Right. So you take right. off the mask and then I would put it like kind of oh, rested on my man. forehead. And then when I'd get power again, I'd put the mask back on because it would, it would be blasting because it, you know, just turned on from nothing. Right. So it'd be blasting. So yeah. I put the mask on again. So I'm awake again and then the power will go out again. And right. then I'm awake again because I'm suffocating. Right. And then I take the mask off. So that was like for three nights, I didn't really sleep. And the first night wow. we had power consistently throughout the night i slept like a rock i slept hard did i mean normally i would need kind of some kind of sleep aid not this time i i slept not only did i sleep the whole night through when the alarm went on i hit snooze like three or four times i was like not ready to go <laughs> so was, oh, man. yeah good for yeah. you I had I had one of those night sleeps. It, it, it might have been the same night you're talking about, where I, I woke up in the middle of the night with like a neck 
twist pain of like did somebody just dropped me in a pile and I fell asleep because I <laughs> I laid in some weird position for the longest hard sleep in his time. Just you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, how did I stay asleep with this much pain in my neck? But I had one of those too. I will show my cards. Um, so today I'm about five pounds heavier and a hundred percent more hungover than than I was the last time we talked. <laughs> really? Um, well, I I ran out of my uh, daddy daddy drink supplies. You know, like okay Monday. Uh huh. <laughs> and that's uh-huh. and that's fine. Um, but then uh, some family members of ours came by to to sh- take some showers because they don't have water. And, and oh they brought my. some wine. And it had been uh-huh. a week, like, work-wise, and then everything you and I just talked about. And, uh, yeah, I had a few, had a few glasses of the, the good juice. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, daddy's little reward. <laughs> it was cathartic. It, it totally was. You know, where you're just, like, emotional for all the reasons, not one single reason. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that was this whole situation was it wasn't just one thing it was things stacked on top of each yeah. other, one after the other. I you know I even emailed my my boss and said okay so when do the locusts arrive and the floods begin <laughs> because we had everything but that at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. you know and, and maybe we're sounding dramatic to some others but you know for us this isn't this isn't the norm right obviously it's not normal and I've I've heard heard and read some stories man you know people there's been a few misadventures from what i've read um but also just people burning you know living room furniture in the fireplace to stay warm and what for real i thought that was in the movies wow right Um, people uh thinking they were gonna um prep grab a bunch of ice and put it in a pan or put it in the bathtub but it was so damn cold the ice isn't melting you know where they could they maybe should have gotten snow there was plenty of it but they didn't they weren't trained in these survival skills so they're sitting there staring at blocks of ice that aren't doing a shit Oh, uh, one of one of our friends in Houston, her pipes burst literally burst flooded her entire house with about three inches of water that was our biggest worry. I mean, we've got we've got water tanks up in our attic. So essentially that's a third level, mm. right? And so we've got the water tanks. You know, we dripped our faucets and thankfully that worked. I mean, we wrapped our pipes outside right before it all started, but we didn't know it was going to last like a week of below freezing temperatures for like mm. an entire week straight, right? Right. So the dripping the faucets was a new thing, you know, for us, but um, you know, I we didn't even really have to do that when I lived back east that I recall. And, and again, there'd been blizzards and whatnot. Well, in, in back east, everyone either has a basement or a mm-hmm. crawl space underneath their house that yes. is being warmed yes. by the heating systems pumping heat through the houses. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That That's exactly right. Now yeah. that I think about it, I had a... A basement. It looked like the basement looked like something out of the Blair Witch Project, but yeah, it was, you know, it was stone. I, it was a house built at the turn of the century. It was an old Victorian home, and <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Growing up in uh, northern Michigan, we had the the crawl space. Did you? We were re- super rural, like way out in the country. And once in a while, my dad would have to crawl under there with a, a propane torch and 
just mm. you know thaw out a pipe. But for the most wow. part, uh, the the wood burning furnace that was pumping heat underneath the house through the radiators that come out of the floor and not out of the ceiling, all that all those water pipes were being warmed. Oh, nice. Well, that that explains it. That that explains a lot. And here in Texas, you know, we have concrete slabs uh, yeah. instead of crawl spaces and basements. You know, Nick. Uh, yeah, I've got a doomsday bus under mine. <laughs> <laughs> a tornado shelter. No kidding. I mean, well, and and we're on limestone, so in the Texas Hill Country in Central Texas, it's all limestone. So you got yeah. maybe two inches of soil, and then you hit solid rock with that limestone. Yeah. Super hard rock, from what I understand. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, so you pretty much need to blast it with dynamite just to get a hole <laughs> going in it, a crater. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen the tools they use to cut through those. It's like something out of sci-fi. It's basically a uh, a chainsaw magnified yes. by 300 on wheels. <laughs> just... with, with, with diamond teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they just chainsaw the earth with this giant <laughs> blade arm. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, hey, are you ready to take a break? Yeah, I'm going to get a coffee refill, man. Nice, nice. All right, we'll, uh, we'll be back. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, be sure to sign up for our email list at hdtwoshow.substack.com. All right, and we're back. Got my nice warm cup of joe. Cup of joe, nice hot coffee and a warm, warm office, warm home. All the good things that uh, we sometimes take for granted, right? Yeah, so it sounds like uh, you had uh, some things that you really had to, had to share this week, uh, quite some experiences. What, what's going on with that? Uh, you know, I'm just, as, as the, this week is behind us, I'm just trying to think, like, what can be gleaned from that? You know, everyone's got their every single person and pet and wild animal in Texas has a story about this past week. You know, it affected them in some way. Um, you know, animals have protocol for bad weather, but you see birds trying to huddle up in the, in the deep corner of your back patio because they're struggling to find some refuge. You know, our neighbor said a bunny hopped within two feet of them looking at them like, can you help a bunny out? <laughs> you know, like... Not not afraid of them at all, <laughs> but it was. Um, I'll say this in in every challenge like that, and this isn't just show talk. This is this is real talk. Uh, in every challenge like that, there's little opportunities, little of I don't know whether they're 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 situational gifts or silver linings. And what I really liked about this past week is we couldn't leave the house. So it was like pandemic squared, you know, like lockdown, 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 (laughs) cubed. Yeah. Um, And so you're, you're forced to spend a lot more time with yourself and with your family members. And we, as we've all heard, if we've been paying attention, the pandemic um, has put divorce lawyers in a in a big giant trunk full of money, you know, because <laughs> yes. everyone's basically uh, eliminated a lot of their typical distractions that that that, that 
allow them to stack their lives in certain ways when those distractions are gone you're like oh this is really my life you know mm-hmm. the quantity's gone i'm staring at the quality you gotta face it yeah and and i'm not mm-hmm. real jazzed about this and so this past week being frozen inside our houses uh it's another opportunity to adjust your perspective and, and yeah we got on each other's nerves a little bit you know we got a little cagey or got some cabin fever but uh it was really nice being that close to everybody and there was no option you know you just embraced it you you surrendered to the reality of we're all just cuddling up for three hours straight until the the next till the power comes on again and then we're going to scramble and do our powers on protocol (laughs) (laughs) you know i almost wonder if how you and your wife handled this situation will shape your daughter's perception um, or even her memories of this time as being actually good memories if you all attacked it in a positive way in the sense that she'll remember, wow, I just remember that time we didn't have power. We were all cuddled up and mom and dad, they were just, you know, joking and, you know, keep, you know, keeping it light, you know, for me and my wife, the one thing we kept saying over and over was, you know, Hey, at least we're together. And that's because with my time overseas, that was, you know, over a year in the sense that, you know, I was at a, another military base uh, in Texas preparing to go over. So that was at least another three or four months, you know, ahead of that, ahead of the actual deployment. So we've, we've spent those extended times away from one another. And so we're actually grateful when we have something that we have to endure, but we can do that together. And, and you're right, every now and then, you just kind of like, okay, could you just not talk for five minutes? <laughs> just five. That's all yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you. It's not like you can go. I'm going yeah. to the garage. That's just a goddamn freezer. <laughs> I'm going out there. <laughs> yeah. Even when we lost power, we put some of the food that we because we didn't want to open the fridge to let all the cold out. So we actually put some of the food in the garage because the garage was colder than the fridge when the fridge was on. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's good thinking. One of my clients told me that they were without power for like three days and they didn't have water for the whole week. And, you know, you're talking to somebody who's on the other end of that Zoom yeah. call who is not just ripe, but probably rotten at that <laughs> point. <laughs> and she's like, the power's on. I'm going to go pull, what did she say? I'm going to go pull the bacon out of a snowbank and cook <laughs> Like something so Midwestern, it was cracked me up. Yeah, exactly. Golly, but uh, but you really hit on a really good point there, Graham. About um, you know times like times like these or situations like these, right? Really test the metal of the relationship. Uh, it takes things uh, to a, a more a more micro level. So whatever, you know, and I love how you phrased it about distractions, right? Normally Mm -hmm. life has its distractions or, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's work or even whether it's like, you know, my wife and I, we have this, this tradition on Friday nights where we have projects. And so I'll work on, you know, my technical projects or whatever pursuit that I have, you know, throughout the night while, you know, watching some youtube videos or something and she'll work on redecorating a part of the house and whatnot and yeah we'll uh you know meet for dinner 
because uh, I'm usually in a different part of the house than she is. So we'll meet for dinner. We'll have dinner. Uh, then we, you know, split up and do our thing again. Uh, and usually she's in bed before, well, before I'm ready to go to bed. So I'll come out and she's already in bed. And so we we do get that, that space, mm. even though we are hunkered down. And I think that's extremely important, both in a metaphorical, but also in a literal sense that for any relationship to survive, you need space. Mm. Being together is great, mm. but it doesn't have to be every waking moment, right. you know, every every day, every breath where you're 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 two joined as one. It you can have separation and it be healthy. Uh and that prolongs things, uh, you know. And then if you can add on top of that the ability to communicate in a in a in a healthy way. It doesn't always have to be positive, I guess. <laughs> I can't <laughs> always be positive. Yeah. But if you can communicate or set the stage to make it safe for somebody else to communicate with you, 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 you combine all of that and then you do have a, a real strong and healthy relationship. But if you think a relationship is being, you know, two, two inches apart from one another at all times, otherwise you're not in love, that's, that's just not a good way to look at things. Yeah, man. You're, you're right, even in extreme situations like that where, you know, just body heat can <laughs> be all you have for survival. Um, mm -hmm. Space, physical or mental, is it's what it is for me, responding to what you said, is it's uh, everything in moderation. Mm -hmm. everything in doses some things you need in heavy doses like work because you need to take the, that money and donate it out in small doses here and there <laughs> and with relationships yeah ideally if you can moderate that it, it's it's probably a a good approach for longevity you, you mentioned um how our how our daughter might remember this and you know, it's important to us that she knows what's going on, right? Like, we don't sugarcoat it. Like, this is this is really bad. We need to do this. Here's what we're going to do. We get her involved so she feels like she's not, kind of changes the dynamic. She's taking a role of activity and not, like, subjectivity, you know? So she's acting on the problem with us. Mm. And then, And then it's one of these moments of, like, well, Let's don't dwell on it. Let's bust out the board games. Let's have some fun. We've done everything we can. You know, there's only so much you can control. No, exactly right. And and even if you're just huddling for warmth, obviously you're in close proximity. It happens, right? I mean, it's, it's not the end of the world if you have to, you know, huddle together. And that that that's certainly not being the point. But the other, but the point that I do want to make on that is is that yeah, be close, and that does bring you closer. Absolutely. But you don't have to fill every moment with sound. You don't have to fill it with talking and conversation. Hmm. Sometimes just being together in that moment and maybe running through an exercise of gratitude rather than focusing on what you don't have, like heat, <laughs> electricity, <laughs> focus on what you do have, um, whether it be internally in silence or maybe alongside one another where you kind of take somebody out of that that. Uh, doom and gloom and you start focusing on something more positive like you said a board game is a great 
a great positive distraction, absolutely. And uh, and yet, whether it's winter weather or whether it's um, you know just really feeling horrible at work, I find that when you switch it over to looking for positive things, even looking for ways to compliment somebody who you normally wouldn't compliment, you're doing it really for you more than them because you're taking yourself out of that out of that that negative space hmm. and putting yourself in a positive space by, you know, when you brighten somebody's day, that makes you feel good. Um, or when you think about the things that you do have that perhaps others don't have, or maybe others do have, but boy, you really had to fight to get that. Once you come from a place of gratitude, I feel that the negativity does fade away and then you are replaced with much more positivity and regard, I mean, you're talking to a combat veteran. <laughs> so regardless of the situation, right, if you can find some positivity, it really does go a lot further than just dwelling on, oh, it sucks. And oh, I'm cold and oh, blah. I mean, yeah, it happens, right? But how you deal with it matters. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me personally, uh, positivity generates hope. It's like a little hope generator. Someone's spinning the wheel. And so if someone's... Um, I'll give you, you know, this past week, I saw some, we've got a great street. We've always said that we've got great people on our street and I saw some really, some really redeeming acts by our neighbors. And, you know, we, we do our part too. Angela and I are helpers when we can. And as I, as I mentioned, we had first world problems. Like you, you guys loaned us your space heater in one of the coldest periods of this whole event. We don't know how many space heaters you have. We needed it, and you and you were like, "Keep as long as you want." There was it was just like no contract. <laughs> you need it, so <laughs> take it. Um, our one of our across the street neighbors has a four by four, so mm -hmm. he braved he braved the treacherous roads where people were with two wheel drive. You know, because we have really steep hills and windy roads out here. They were getting stuck, going up hills, spinning out, abandoning their car. I mean, just terrible, terrible. He's like, hey, I'm making a run to HEB. Y'all need anything? You know, and he asked a few neighbors around him. But, I mean, that's generous. He didn't have to do that. Absolutely. Um, our next door neighbor, they ran out of power. We were diligent about having backup chargers. We've got about six of them. Mm-hmm. All they needed was a backup charger, and we had one on hand. No, no thought about it. Here you go. We got plenty, and that meant a lot to them in that context, you know. And so then they went to a whole. Well, they went to a health food store <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, and they were calling us. Hey, what do y'all need? We made it out, and just the reciprocation it just kind of perpetuates and regenerates and it just keeps feeding the hope machine i guess <laughs> right and, it, and, it, and what's funny is that it reestablishes community you know mm. I, i've mm. noticed that when things are good everyone kind of peels off into their own world and we then drift drift apart um and when i say we it's a collective we right it's a societal we Yet when there is some sort of struggle or strife, that's when people will either come together or they'll divide even even bigger. Uh, but most times, I'd say the majority, I'd say 99% of the time, people do grow closer because somebody will have something somebody else needs. And, and there it is, right? So, you know, you could either be, you know, an asshole and 
hoard everything for yourself and not not give it out or you can give it out and contribute and i think as humans we all want to feel like we're contributing something to the to a mm. larger cause right yeah and when we don't have a cause then we feel you know isolated and cut off very true purpose purpose maybe purpose it's all about yeah, purpose. it really yeah. is and i think exactly. uh you know when you have children at those prime years in your mid to late 20s or whatever your very early 30s um you don't have to wonder what your purpose is it's it's handed to you but then you know as in moments like this yeah you kind of you start to wonder like what am what's it all for right this sort of existential mm -hmm. carl sagan kind of questions like <laughs> who am I and why am I here and what's this all about? Yeah. Being part of something, it it feels like that's what we're supposed to do as, as human beings, right? Well, exactly. And I don't necessarily think, at least I'd like to think, that it doesn't always have to be born of strife either, right? I think that if you don't have a sense of community, you can certainly try to build one. Mm -hmm. And And again, when times are good, people may not be open to that. They're not receptive because they're like, why are you bothering me? You know, everything's fine. Um, but <laughs> if you can have that sense of community, I, I, I'll give you an example. When I was growing up on my mom's side of the family, um, every time I'd say I was going to do something with a friend, um, you know, my, my grandmother, my grandparents' house was kind of like the center of the family. It was the 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 cornerstone. So everybody met there on holidays. Mm -hmm. Everybody came there on birthdays. Even if it wasn't one of their birthdays, if it was my birthday, we'd still go there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yet the house was always in a state of renovation, right? So my grandfather, he'd always start these projects, you know, a DIY project. Like one time he ripped up the floor because he was going to retile the floor and the, the floor stayed ripped up for over 20 years. <laughs> uh, you know, one of those, I'll get to it eventually. And, wow. and so every time I'd right. say, yeah, I'm going to go, go do this with a friend and then I'll come back and they'll be like, well, don't bring your friend here, you know, cause they were obviously embarrassed, but it was like one of those were like, well, don't, it's like, I wouldn't even dream of it. Don't worry. <laughs> you know? And yet on my dad's side of the family, you know, I'd hang out with uncles mm -hmm. and, uh, I'd notice that if there were, uh, you know, kids, uh, working on a mini bike, you know, the uncles would go over and start, you know, tell, you know, helping them figure out why the, why the bike won't start, you know, stuff like that. And, and then, you know, Hey, why don't you guys come on over for something cold to drink and whatnot. And so there was a lot more sense of community and, and on my dad's side, they grew up with very, very little, very little. And so I think that in doing so, they realized the importance of community, helping mm. one another. Whereas mm. on my mom's side, they didn't, they, they weren't, they weren't wealthy by any stretch, right? But they also weren't, uh, you know, absolute lower class. They were firmly middle class uh, with stability. I mean, my grandfather, you know, he worked, he worked for a union. So, you know, he got to retire yeah. off of that. So they had that stability at least right and so and yet they weren't ready to open up to others very easily like even if you were dating somebody you weren't allowed to bring them over until you got official permission yeah. to bring them to the house <laughs> and, you know and yet i'm you know on my dad's side you know if i was doing something with a friend you know my uncle or my aunt would say well why don't you bring them with us we're gonna go over here you know and we're gonna go do this why don't you bring them you know so it was kind of a night and day difference and the, the thing about community is you don't always have to be under the gun or trying to beat the odds you can Man. certainly have that community 
right? Just by being friendly toward one another, just being a little more open, maybe even vulnerable. Man, you just triggered uh, a childhood memory very similar to what you describe. Like my household, you know, I've I've alluded to and, and personally you and I have shared notes and have talked about the, you know, just the weird dad situation. And, you know, I didn't have a brother. And so a lot of my guy friends, it was, it was interesting just to hang out. They, they, most of them, they all had brothers actually, coincidentally. See how that dynamic worked. Like, you know, how you, how you treat a little brother. Little brother always kind of gets the shit end. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're different family configurations. And I had one friend that, um, he was bad news. Um, but his, his dad was ex-military DAV. He owned and operated a, um, uh, auto mechanic shop. And he, when he talked, he yelled, he, he didn't have an inside voice, but he wasn't <laughs> mad. He got mad, but it was just the way he spoke very loud. And, um, I was very welcomed in their home and he, my buddy was the youngest of five brothers. And so as each year goes by, a brother would roll out of the house and go off either into the <laughs> Marines or, you know, the world. But what I loved is as soon as you woke up, you got fed and there was work to do and you did it all day. And there was lots of time to screw around. We got into plenty of trouble doing <laughs> shit we weren't supposed to behind the garage, you know, or stealing a car for the day to joyride. <laughs> lots of that kind of trouble. But I was so drawn to their family dynamic. They worked together. They played together. It wasn't glamorous. It was not anything out of the 1950s. This was very crude and rough, but there was... Mm -hmm what you described it was community people doing stuff together no airs there's stuff to be done let's get it done and then yeah. let's play when the work's done yeah i mean it doesn't sound like anybody would stand back and go well i i don't do that you know you just you jump in and you help out yeah and if i was sleeping over i was put to work it wasn't an option you know it's like if you're here eating our food <laughs> catch those logs as they fall off the saw. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's almost like essentialism, you know, mm. you're doing what needs to be done. You're not mm. griping about it. Um, and really going almost back to the stoicism thing that we've discussed before is that you can't change it. So you can either em embrace it or you can fight it. And usually when you fight it, it makes things even worse. It makes things, it makes that, that awful time lasts longer. Whereas if you embrace it and like in your story, if you embrace yeah. it with a sense of community, which means it's a higher reason that you're, yeah, maybe it's not your favorite thing to, you know, rake leaves. Right. But you're doing it because, you know, you, you took somebody up on their offer and you want to, you want to pay that back in some way. And everything's not money. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's, you know, time with, effort. And so those are ways that you can show others gratitude and appreciation, right? You don't have to whip out a, a, a wallet and, you know, throw a five spot on the table and go, yeah, thanks for breakfast. I'm out of here. You know, no. You... <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a good review. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, you're touching on uh, 
there are many forms of currency. There's the one regulated by our charming government, and then there's the ones that we as communities and individuals agree are worthy of exchange. And and that you're right. Current and value, right? Value to anything is what two people agree it is. Mm-hmm. You know, five dollars might mean something different to you than it does to me. Uh, and yet, that same five dollars, you know, we understand it could it could buy many of the same things. But what value is attached to those things carries over into the money that was used to pay for it. Oh, that's Therefore, yeah. it could be more valuable to me because the thing that I spent that $5 on is something I really needed versus somebody else spending that same $5 on the same thing. Yeah. Just cause they had five bucks laying around. So, so currency and value is circumstantial. I, I, I believe in all cases, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. One guy who needs five bucks uh, would probably give a kidney for it because the thing standing in his way that that five bucks can eliminate mm-hmm. is life it's it's pivotal yes. versus someone else is like oh, i lost a five dollar bill today whatever yeah and and it it's not always need versus want sometimes it's 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 want where you've saved hmm. you know and and i'm using five dollars as a low example let's say you wanted something that cost you know 100 bucks a thousand bucks you know ten thousand bucks whatever hmm. you save because you really want that thing and because you saved and you couldn't get it instantly like somebody else or somebody else said, yeah, you know, put it in the cart. Let's go. Whereas, you know, if I would have to, you know, save for months, you know, even years to get that thing, it's going to have a lot more intrinsic value to me. Right. Even though it costs the same amount of dollars. Yeah. So that was just something like, wow. I, you know, it was something that as we were talking, I just started to process yeah. and, and that's why, you know, when you barter, right, uh, you might need something more than the person you're offering something to needs of what you're offering, right? So that's how that's how you barter, right? Yeah, it's like, well, I don't really need it, but I'll take two of those because then I can give one away and maybe use one. But you need this yeah. from me more than I need that from you. So the person who wants it least always wins. <laughs> this is true this is true it touches on it's it it started getting me thinking about finances a little bit and uh <laughs> i'll keep the names out of it to protect the innocent but <laughs> or the guilty <laughs> yeah yeah um being cost conscious is um it's a virtue right it's something we should all be careful about the way we um sort of steward our our, fi- our money and our finances and, and everything and in equal parts like that's fine in itself it is I, th- I think that also needs to be balanced with an equal amount of effort energy and attention to getting that resource whether it be cash currency or other other things um, I think I've been in conversations where the focus is to save money and and my my reaction is that's that's fine but we could take this hour of not agreeing on how to save money and put it toward getting more money. 
<laughs> so let's make sure we're doing both is you know what i mean like i th- i think i know what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> wink wink nod, nod. <laughs> married man i think you get us <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's always that's like it, it didn't start until i started striking out on my own it, it, the focus of how i spend my time what an hour means to me if i want to dick around with something that's broken under the sink for an hour when I could spend that making X amount of dollars and I could pay someone else, you know, less than my hourly to do what they do best, then that makes sense. <laughs> you know? Gosh, you, you, you brought something up that and is, is fairly recent, you know, and I, and for me, I believe time to be more valuable than money because you can't get more time. You can make more money. I, yeah. I didn't say it would be easy to make more money, but you can. Yeah. And you can replace lost money. You can't replace lost time. Right. You can't slow time. <laughs> and you can't make, you know, you can you can save time right. and then spend it elsewhere. Right. So, uh, gosh, a couple, about a month or month and a half or so back, we ordered out. And I, you know, I paid extra for a side dish. And when we got the order, the side dish wasn't in there. And the side dish was, I don't know, you know, six, seven bucks. uh, And it wasn't in there. And so my wife's like, well, are you going to call them? And I'm like, I'll think about it. She goes, well, they ripped you off. You need to call them. And I'm like, okay, you know, let me, you know. And then she thought I was kind of being spineless. And so I said, well, I'll I'll deal with it later. And... So the the next day, she's like, well, did you ever end up calling them? And I'm like, no, and I'm not gonna. She's like, why? Are you afraid, are you afraid to, to stand up to them? <laughs> I'm afraid of a freaking restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> so then yeah. I said, okay, all right. I said, listen and listen close. And I gave her the whole, I value time more than money. I said, that was six bucks. And the amount of time it would spend for me on the phone to explain to them how they messed up and then prove to them that they messed up only for them to give me store credit, my time is more. I could do way more things with that same amount of time that would have more value to me than six freaking bucks. Yeah, yeah. And then she was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, it was like you had to really break it down. Well, it's one of those things like... um we hear our whole lives and for some reason it doesn't stick or we don't see the broad application of this sage wisdom is when people say it's not worth my time, Mm -hmm. right? That wasn't worth your time or the one that's kind of cutesy is, is the squeeze worth the juice, right? (laughs) Am I going to get out of it? What I put into it? There's, there's so many different ways to phrase it, but it's just like, yeah, I hear you, man. Um, time is you never get it back. I think one of life's biggest lessons based on all of this, Graham, is that if you can master the concept of the value of time, not the concept of time, because we may never understand that, but time travel, if, if you can master the concept of the value of time and how, how important and valuable it truly is. Uh, I think you you will go far because I think a lot of people willingly uh, just let their time go and 
they don't really put any thought as to what's going into that into that time. You just give it away. Um, like volunteering is different, You're, but you are giving time for a reason, for a purpose, and that's valuable. But yeah. when we, you know, spend hours and hours at work just staring at a screen because you think you can't leave until it's done, well, maybe right. if you did leave and hit it bright and early in the morning, you'd have some new ideas and the screen wouldn't be blank anymore. But instead, you're throwing away all this time for no reason. Well, you think it's for a reason, but it's really for no result, right? So why would you continue to throw time at something that isn't giving you a result when you could actually take back that time, right, and then apply it to something more productive, more useful, more valuable, and then come back to that thing where you were stuck, and next thing you know, you're not, you're not stuck like you were. Yeah, I, th I think the reason people don't do that is one they don't they don't have enough experience to 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 spin up a solution. You know, they only know the one approach, or or the one approach is kind of mandated and seemingly out of their control. I'm totally with you. I I know myself enough now. I know my work enough now to where I, if I'm banging my head up against something, I need to get up off that chair, go do something else. That's gonna because what. If you're, if you're not getting those results, you're obviously thinking about it the wrong way. And you're not magically going to change the way you're thinking, sitting in that, with your ass in that chair. Mm -hmm. Get up, go for a run, go out and enjoy nature, go do your puzzle, stimulate a different part of your brain, jumping jacks, <laughs> I don't, whatever, whatever blows your skirt up, and then reapproach it, either rested or just adjusted. I've got a... a policy in the middle of my day where um, if I've gotten up really early to work, I usually kind of hit a wall around three or four. Workday is not done, but I've hit my wall just like kind of mentally and, you know, I need, I'll go meditate, which means laying down with my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it sometimes means a cat nap, but it also sometimes means just calming down slowing down my heart rate stopping my brain from racing trying to find the same kind of calm you get when you wake up first in the morning fresh rejuvenated just 10 minutes and then i'll, I'll get up grab a snack get after that shit some more and finish out the day it's almost uh it ties very closely to what we've talked about also in previous episodes where when you're at a job, you know, how do you know when it's time to actually make that change? Yeah. You know, where you're yeah. wasting your time at that job because you're not, you're not going to get any change. And, you know, what does that really mean? How long, how much, how much do you give to that before you decide it, you know, it's a losing battle and my time is better spent elsewhere. So it's not a matter of breaking away when you're focused because that's when you're at your peak. And if you break away when you're focused, it takes you, you know, at least 30, 45 minutes to get back into right. that versus if you're just stuck. Yeah. If you're in the flow, stay in the flow. Yeah. Man. Right. But yeah, right. That, that's Nirvana. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if, even if you could just go get a glass of water, just that change of scenery might jar something loose, or maybe you do need a little more time than just, you know, walking into the next room. Maybe you do need like a power nap to kind of refresh yourself mm -hmm. and, and what have you. So that's, that's big. That's big. So yeah, don't, don't pull away. But also, I think you should be protective of your time. 
uh, almost to a ruthless degree. I, I am now, you know, and, and I have been probably for the last 10 years, been very protective of my time in the sense that I really evaluate, especially in the workplace, is this meeting really necessary? Do you really need me at this meeting? And if they say, yeah, because we might have a question, I'll be like, and if it's something I, I really don't want to spend my time on, I'll say, well, I'll tell you what, if you do have a question, jot it down during the meeting, send it over to me on an email, and I'll, and I'll reply to that. Man. <laughs> I didn't need to be on a half hour long call for a, a two minute question. Dude. dude. Yeah. There's, there's genius and brilliance in that approach. And uh, could I spin off into a tenuous theory tangent? <laughs> Yeah, please. <laughs> Past couple, two or three years, you do hear the term "time vampire," right? And 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 that's what makes people like you and me be very protective. Like you're not coming and sucking my time away, you weirdo, lurching, exactly. lurching in, in the darkness and the shadows. <laughs> and um, you also see like little memes and little T-shirts. Like this meeting is could have been two emails. Right. Mm -hmm. like there's there's definitely this communication vibe of like, stop wasting my fucking time. <laughs> and yes. and when you uh, historically, when you pull a bunch of people into a meeting and, and everyone's sitting there looking like, why am I here? That's where you see the most posturing people who are like, well, I'm here. I need to uh, add v value, I think. Otherwise, people just see me as a, you know, a space waster. So they. They they lean in and say something stupid or try to like sound smart. And when you just, I've noticed lately in this past year or so, maybe sort of pandemic influenced, people just jump on the call and get shit done, right? I see a lot mm -hmm. less of that kind of like crusty approach to assembling people and getting stuff done. Anyway, that's my words on that. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that a lot. and And really, I mean, I think meetings are the probably the most universal thing that people get wrong. Mm. And I'm just going to say, I'm not saying I'm awesome at meetings, but you know, if you're going to call me to a meeting, what's the agenda? If you don't have an agenda, then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, Hey, if you don't have an agenda, then I'm not going to really be there. Cause I don't know, you know, I'd like to prepare ahead of time, number yeah. one, but number two, yeah. I'd like for us to stay focused as to what we're going to talk about. So we can get back to what we were pulled away from in the first place. Right. But then let's look at the opposite of that that whole, um, you know, the 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 meeting needing to have purpose or you know taking care of it within two emails. Then there's the opposite. If it takes more than two emails, maybe you should get on the phone. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a conference call. Sometimes it can be just, hey, I'm going to call Graham and get clarification mm -hmm. on the two emails we were trading because then you find you're spending more time on the emails then you are just on the phone with a 30 second clarification and then exactly. boom, you're done yeah. and you're moving on. So there, there's that, there, there's that balance and that knowing, right? Which tool do I use at that's the moment? It. That's going right to save tool. me the most time. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, yeah. and then if, and if you're really to think about it, when you tell somebody, Hey, send me an email, I'm not going to be at that meeting. Well, guess what you're asking them to do? Spend more time <laughs> on something that they could have just got answered if you were at that meeting. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you're um, kind of in the spirit of wasting time, go waste some more of that shit. Exactly. Well, yeah, you I've seem to a... be amenable to that, so I'll let you go do that while I be yeah, productive, yeah. and then I'll read your email when I get to it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a thing you do. So keep doing you. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a I've got a client who turns every meeting into sort of a tactical working meeting, and he'll spin off and try to solve problems in a meeting. And um, I used to let him do it, but now now the rapport has gotten so that we're very frank with each other. We trust each other. We respect each other. And uh, I start every meeting. He's my client, but every meeting we go into, whether they said it or I said it, I set an agenda. And when he starts to spin off, I'll entertain him for a minute. I won't be rude, but I'll I'll get right back on track. And when he starts to, you you can almost smell the smoke. I mean, <laughs> the gears are just turning like like hard. And he'll start coming up with these new ideas, and I'll just be like, "Well, if you need if you need my help, uh, helping that be realized, just let me know, and I'll get right back on track." <laughs> there you go. There you go. The, yeah, those those people. He he did just this past week. Took a half hour meeting, turned it into an hour, and that was me feeling like I successfully mitigated my time suck. Yes, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like it's that it's that bad. It's that rampant. Absolutely, <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break, and then when we come yeah. back, I, what I'd like to do is just kind of like bullet point what we just discussed because I think this is important and could really help a lot a lot of you out there that really feel like, you know what, I think I'm on a treadmill. I'm spinning in circles. I don't have enough hours yeah. in the day. Um, and, yeah. and let's bullet point that and see if we can help some folks with that. How's that sound? That sounds like a good idea. I'm going to get some coffee. All right. We'll be right back. Got any ideas for future shows? Going through something and want some advice? Or questions you want to be read on the show? Email Mike, J and Graham at advice at hdtwo.show. All right, and we're back. And before we went to break, we were talking about the value of time as well as the value of protecting your time almost to the point where you have to be, uh, gosh, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here where you've got to be ruthless in, in protecting your time because if you let people they will take your time away and not even think twice about it. Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, and, and you could kind of make a reach and say, if you don't protect anything you have that's of value, people will just come and take it. Very good point. Very good point. Right. Because it was the conversation about cash money that led us into the whole currency, things of value, and then time. That's true. I mean, if you don't lock your doors. Yeah. Somebody can just come in and take whatever you have because you didn't really protect your things, right? Yeah. If you don't yeah. lock your car doors when you go to the mall, then you might not even have a car yeah. <laughs> when you come yeah. back because you didn't take the steps to protect it. So I think the first step, though, because we were going to bullet point this out, is that the first step, I think, is to, number one, understand the value of your time and and place a value on it. I think too many times we say, yeah, well, it'll just take a few minutes. Well, when you multiply that, it'll just take a few minutes for something that really isn't truly necessary. And you multiply that by the five, six, or even 10 times a day that that happens. The next thing you know, you're scrambling at the end of the day going, where did my day go? So, you know, first step is identify the value of your time. And then I think second step would be to determine to protect that time right? So really assess, what are you being asked to do? How long will that take? Okay, so that 
when you are giving the time, it's for something you agreed to that you didn't get just suckered into. You agreed to give up your time for that. So it is a worthy investment of that time, right? Because it's going to produce something of value to you, whether you get that satisfaction of helping somebody or whether you're contributing to your community in some way, right? By giving that time. Uh, I think I think those are two important things, and there's more that I'll go into. But what do you think about those two so far? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh, what you just described it starts to drum up the notion of boundaries. Also, like as as you know, when you're thinking about, oh, this is just take a minute, and it's you're giving your time. You agree to give your time. Um, it's, it starts to uh, you have to ask yourself, am I creating a a understanding that I will always give a couple minutes? Is this a one-time thing? Like really establishing clear boundaries with people. And you and I, through life experience, you know, they're there. If you got a minute, they'll take five. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there are people, I find myself thinking this and sometimes saying it out loud. It's like, wow, they're just not afraid to ask. Like it just blows <laughs> me away, the thing people ask for. Um, and yeah, so boundaries. <laughs> well, no, and and it, and because people don't think to ask or don't even think about the fact that they're asking yeah. and what they're asking and that they continue to ask maybe, you know, time and time again is because they themselves have not taken that that step of identifying that time is valuable, not just to them, but maybe to others. So, you know, in my understanding of time being of value, I also then take strides to not waste other people's time. I try to be succinct or direct, you know, unless, unless we're spending time together, you know, just talking or chatting. I mean, if that's, everything doesn't have to have a very specific scope and purpose, right? Yeah. But if you are being taken away from something, it should. And yeah. I'll give you a, a, an example of this that happens in my very home. <laughs> and that is uh, on, you know, whether it be a weeknight after work or on the weekends. Uh, I mean, guaranteed, as soon as I get, you know, my mindset to something, I'm going to get something done or I'm going to do something or I'm going to think through something. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I get comfortable, I get a, would you help me? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, help you do what? And she's like, well, I just need help moving this over here. Okay, fine. I'll help you move that over there. Right. right? And then she'd be like, well, why are you getting fussy? And I'm like, well, because I wasn't really planning on helping you move that thing over there. And then she thinks I'm just being, you know, a total asshole. And, uh, <laughs> and so then I help her and I say, okay, uh, you know, are we done? Yeah, yeah, we're done. I'll go in. I'll <laughs> settle in again. Um, would you mind, uh, going I'm to the garage with up. me? And <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, I guess, you know, and she's like, well, you don't have to, you know, so now it gets passive aggressive and I'm like, no, yeah. you asked. And I said, yes, I'll, I'll help you. Yeah. I said, but here's the deal now. I need you to think of everything you need my help with up front. <laughs> Stack it up. <laughs> Make a list. Okay, write it down if you yeah. have to. Yeah. But you're going to you're going to disclose to me ahead of time all the things you need my help with at once. Yep. I said I'm not doing the onesie twosie thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and she thinks I'm just being a hard ass about it. You know, like, wow, you're just helping your wife. You know, why is that a big, you know, I didn't, it's not like I'm asking you to donate a kidney, you know, and yeah. it's like, well, because I value my time. It's a slippery slope, man, because there's part of you that's like, I, please turn off the faucet from that stream of consciousness. Like, as it comes to your mind, it's landing in my ear. Like, let's stop that craziness. But then it's on the other side, you're like, you know, you, you don't want to be a dick also. It's, it's, so, I mean, it, it does sound like you have to manage it somehow, right? But do you? Because now when she asks, she'll sometimes preface it with like, I know you're busy. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I know you weren't expecting to have to do this. You know, and then she'll ask me for that one thing, and then I'll say, "Okay, and what else?" Please, after please, that, my after lord. We're done with that. I know you're <laughs> yeah. a busy man with many responsibilities <laughs> and great burdens. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, but it, but again, I always follow up with, "Okay, and then what else is on your list so we can get it all done at once?" Yeah, and you might think, again, this guy's, you know, just. He's all about the efficiency and, oh, my gosh, that's your wife and and all this and that. But, you know, I can't tell you how many days I've lost, full days where I've set out I was going to do something. And then the honey, can you help me with goes from one thing to five things to ten things. Next thing you know, the sun's gone down and I didn't get to spend not even five minutes on the things that I had set out to do for that day. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's almost worth making it a little bit more painful than just a freedom to just ask because, you know, it's just going to take a few minutes. And again, that stacks up, right? So tell me how many minutes, a few minutes is going to be multiplied by the many things that you have. So I can then block out that time and focus on that, right? Focus on her, focus on what she's requested. Yeah. Like undistracted, you get my full attention. Exactly. And then I can finish that. And then we have a deal that once I'm done, I get to go do what I do. And if you need more help, well, then we're going to negotiate a time for that to happen yeah, afterwards. Because it does, like just looking at it pragmatic, aside from the relationship dynamic, it does create this like, yeah, you're getting your to-do list done, but mine is suffering. I've got priorities that are specific to me. You are a priority, you know, and and then you start to start to that. I start to paint the picture of that quadrant where you're like, is this urgent? and important or is this important but not urgent let's bump that down that's getting done at the end of my day (laughs) and there have been times where i've told her you know like gosh you know we spent all day doing this stuff and now my day just begins yeah yeah and and the day's already gone right i know i know it's it's really it's tricky to manage and and yeah you have to kind of crack the whip i guess if if one, it's a circle of insanity if you just let it keep happening, right? And if yes. you're dissatisfied with the outcome and and handling it either straight on and, and pragmatically or like delicately, whatever your style is, is probably right. the best approach. But if you just let it go, then that builds resentment. Yes. And so yes. the the pain is the pain of of setting those boundaries. Um, is temporary in the sense that sooner or later they get it 
and then I don't just mean wives. I mean, you know, girlfriends, brothers, you know, I, you know, hey, can you come help me move some things? Yeah. What's a jagged, it's a jagged, yeah, it's a little yeah. prickly pill you're asking them to swallow and they'll feel better after. Yes. Well, because they know, they know what you're about, right? They yeah. understand yeah. and they don't have to know all well, because I value time and I'm good. No, they just know that, hey, you know what? That's not just you know, Jay's not the kind of person that I can just spring things on. I really got to ask ahead of time and plan ahead a little bit. I'm not saying have a, you know, have a whole battle plan laid out, but you know, don't ask me on a Saturday morning, Hey, what are you doing today? No, that doesn't work that way. My day's mapped out. Yeah. Thank my you. day is mapped out. And even <laughs> yeah. if, even if it's not, it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Man. God, there's so much. Uh, I wanted to give you another example of uh, uh, tricky little time vampires, and you started yes. to talk about the value of your time. And I, and I, I feel like sometimes people who steal your time without asking, they may not realize it because our minds are. Um, are your brain is running the show. The conscious you is only a layer, right? A translation of what your brain's really trying to do. And in that brain are decades of things you've learned, good and bad, um, your good side, your bad side, the, the little ninja skill you've been crafting your entire life that throws people on the back foot every time. You're the little, little je ne sais quoi thing that is you. And I don't think they realize it, but what they're implying is that your time is less valuable than mine. So, hey, I've got this little thing I can't figure out. Can you figure it out? <laughs> Fucking figure it out with on your time, because my clock's running over here. <laughs> You're oh my gosh, that is gold. That is gold. And and as usual, I've got a real world example of that. And that is, um, we actually had neighbors over, you amongst them, but we had neighbors over uh, for dinner. And one of, one of the neighbors um, walks up to me and shows me her iPhone and says, hey, could you tell me why it's doing this thing? And we're in a social setting. And it's like, <laughs> well, and at the time it was true. It's like, well, I don't have an iPhone, so I don't really know how they work. You yeah. know, I don't know the intricacies. Yeah. If you had an Android phone, I might be able to help you. But, but the very thought that a we're at a dinner party that that me and my wife are hosting, mm. and number two, like you said, because that person didn't want to take the time to you know do some RTFM <laughs> or RTFM or even call call her cellular carrier and say, hey, how do mm. I do this? Decided to come up and ask somebody who's you know, essentially off duty. I'm not, I'm not IT guy at, you know, six in the evening when I'm entertaining guests. Right. right. And, and yet it would have been okay if I would have taken the phone and spent an hour scratching my head, trying to figure out what's going on with that, where, where then that person would be able to be free to enjoy the rest of the party. Or you could just leave it until another time or say, Hey, with this iPhone here, I've got some questions I really need help figuring out. Is there maybe some time we could spend in the next week or so to, to go over that or in the next couple of days even, or Hey, maybe even tomorrow, would you have any time? In other words, you're asking, not assuming. Yeah. 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 And, and being ruthless about protecting that time. And, and 
it is circumstantial and yours was yours is like a textbook case of like are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> you came here to eat my food <laughs> drain me as a resource <laughs> for free um but like saying uh yes but right like yeah. that's always the 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 response yes but i'm kind of fucking busy right <laughs> now making sure your food is hot <laughs> yeah yeah uh, soaking your husband's liver with booze <laughs> and i will say it was nobody related to you so don't no worries there <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't my daughter it was not your daughter no because actually i would have uh, loved her <laughs> i know you would have she loves you um, there's, there's another tricky little tactic I've seen and, and, and this I think comes from elderly wisdom. So someone who we both know and love mm -hmm. will say, you know, and, and it, here's where it started and, and I'm, I'm usually pretty good at detecting patterns, but sometimes the, the person in me that's very optimistic and naive kicks in and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'll help you with whatever. There's nothing shady going on here. <laughs> But when I'm in the right mode, I'll I'll find that pattern quick. But it would be like, um, can you help hang this this picture? It's it's really up high, and I don't want to get on a ladder. And be like, yeah. And I go in there, and I see there's like eight pictures laying around, placed on different po points on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess she's got a project going on. So I hang this picture, or you do. <laughs> Yeah. I unwittingly walked right into a two-hour project. Oh my gosh! What do you, you know, in the first the first time you do it, um, you you're just trying to probably uh, establish like a goodwill. Yes, right. Like, oh, I see. But man, it happened. Oh, can you come turn a wrench on this? Oh, you know, there's about six other things. And, and it starts to become a matter of practicality. Like, I wish you would have led with all that because I could have brought over all the right tools. Yes. You know, now I've got this like scatter spray of like, I got to go back or do I need to come back Tuesday? Now I'm getting time sucked on two different days in my week. But it was just such a crafty little, almost like the iceberg approach. Like, oh, it's just this little... <laughs> peek in the water and then you find out like whoop there goes my afternoon well that's true scope creep right yes. in the truest sense of the word <laughs> yes. and and you know you you will want to protect yourself from scope creep at work but also you yeah. know in personal life yeah i mean you could have had a, a time commitment somewhere and the two hours if you would have known you could have either rescheduled it or rescheduled you're helping her yeah. or him, yeah. um, you know, and I think that even though people don't understand, don't always understand the value of time, they do know that if they do, if they are upfront with what everything they need you to do, that you're going to say no. Right. So they suck you in, yeah. you know, and then they lay it on you so that you'll feel bad by having to say no. Yeah, yeah. There is this weird shift of like accountability or guilt that happens. And 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 I think it's one of those tricky little maneuvers that people craft their whole life and they know when to lean in and like apply a heavy dose of it yes. and when to play 
when to basically like play possum. Oh, I'm just <laughs> helpless and blah. And you're like, oh, I'll come help. And then all of a sudden they're like, they turn into a taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, the whole house is painted and there's a new deck in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny, man. So, you know, going back to the, the, the bullet points, right? So number mm. one is, you know, we, you certainly want to understand the value of time, right? And the value of not wasting it, right? But also the value of applying it smartly, right? And then not allowing others to waste your time. So you've got to set those boundaries, right? Yeah. And yeah. I would say that, you know, to go along with all of that, you can also do your part to make sure you're not wasting other people's time. So in other words, it isn't all just about you and, and people not wasting your time. What are you doing to help ensure you're not wasting other people's time? And we mentioned a couple earlier. Well, number one is if you're going to have a meeting, have an agenda. Well, maybe have an agenda when you're asking somebody for help, right? Have, you yeah. know, and it doesn't have to be like, okay, we're going to formally go over this agenda before I begin, you know, helping you. I make no, copies. But... Here's yours. <laughs> Although with some people you might need that, but yeah, but really, you know, at least have an agreed upon scope or an yeah. agreed upon yeah. set of things that that you are gonna you know take care of at that you know during that session or that that block of time or what have you. So what you can do is if you're gonna ask somebody to do something, already know what you're gonna what you're gonna want to ask. No, it don't just wing it and think ahead. Is this going to lead to something else? And then is that going to lead to something else? And then be open uh, to ask somebody, hey, would you have enough time to do these things? Or if you can just help a little, what do you think you might be able to help with? Mm -hmm. And then let the other person say, well, I can help with these three things, but for the other two, I'm going to need to come back. Hey, no problem. You know, that sort of thing. But have it, know what you want. Right. So that you can then communicate that and then and then allow the other person to uh, either agree to the whole list or part of the list. Um, but definitely know what you want. And then if you're going to deviate from that, then you need to agree to, to revisit that at a different time, because, yeah, you know, you lived up to your part of the bargain and I'm over here throwing more stuff on the list. That's not yeah. that's not cool respect and then yes sort of the the whole package gratitude yes absolutely demonstrating gratitude for the 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 use of time that can't be recovered right uh, we we're, we're really uh big on that uh and we try to instill that in our daughter is like just the smallest handwritten thank you note goes a long a long way sure sure what you what you said about um okay we've only got this much time what can you get done you know basically sort of letting the person who's donating mm -hmm. call the shots right to a certain extent that brings the whole uh tundra 2021 <laughs> uh back in focus for me because i'd heard third hand i guess that you know, a lot of people in our community were in need and, you know, you want to see someone's true character, you put them in a vice, you put them under some pressure and you see who you're really, really dealing with at the rawest level. And a lot of people 
you know, around here, they're, they're very accustomed to living first world lives where every time you flip on the light switch, it comes on every yeah. time, you know, there's never a shortage of any resource, food systems. And they were acting really entitled and being real squawky. And, and then when the opportunity to help them arose, like, oh man, we need some food. Oh, well, cool. I've got this, you know, uh, whatever nature's harvest double nut <laughs> extra wheat that I could give you. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. I need Mrs. Baird's white. And it's like, um, I'm helping you. <laughs> you need to be grateful. <laughs> you know, you either say yes or no to my right. offer. You don't try to articulate and be picky. That, that, well, I mean, you're right. That says a lot about, about the person. Um, but also the, the phrase beggars can't be choosers really, really comes to yeah. mind mm -hmm. and I, I all i have to say to that is just wow <laughs> i can't even yeah. imagine now yeah. granted i was you know we were raised at a different time where if if i would have said well do you have chocolate instead you know i'd get you know smacked <laughs> because you take what's offered you know or you don't take it at all you know and you you politely say no thank you um but you're right i mean people just have no qualms about declaring what their preferences are when there are no preferences to be had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a theme cause I'm taking notes as we, as we talk, as I always do, cause I'm a nerd, but <laughs> there's, there's a theme here on all of these things, the character in crisis, the time it's, it's all about giving. It's, it's all about giving. We've got the help gives hope. Mm -hmm part of the, mm -hmm. the show we did, you know, we've got the, the relationship closeness, asking for time from your <laughs> significant other. <laughs> it really is. It's about giving the, the, the sort of delicate basket that giving sits in. You have to pr protect what goes out, what goes in and care for it and kind of groom it. So everyone understands how, delicate it is well absolutely because if it's all gone then there's nothing left to give right i mean that's so yeah, yeah, yeah. you 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 gotta you gotta you're gonna give out but you also need to replace and i think though that giving unconditionally is big but that doesn't mean that you give without boundaries so giving unconditionally means i'm gonna help you only because you know, I've got the time and the desire to help you. I'm not expecting anything in return for that help. I'm not going to call in a favor, right? Yeah. I'm just going to help yeah. you because I feel like, you know, helping you. You know, I, I admire you. I respect you. I'm going to help you. Um, but that doesn't mean that from sun up till sundown, I'm going to help you because we didn't agree to that ahead of time. If it is a sun up to sundown yeah. project and we've agreed to it ahead of time, I'm going to do it without condition i guess my only condition yeah. to help is that you've got to tell me how long you need me for or all the things that you need and then i can then determine how much i can give at any given you know uh block you know yeah and you're starting to splice something that's really uh critical is the transactional approach of giving 
I think some people see it highly transactional, like, okay, cool. I gave you that. Now I'm going to ask for something and I understand how psychology works. <laughs> you now feel obligated to give me something and I'm very likely going to ask for something of greater value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hate that. <laughs> like you might have credit in the bank that you can cash in on later when it makes yes. sense. Or I might feel sort of, you know, warm hearted to just do something randomly to pay you back. But let's don't create a commerce situation out of this. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, first of all, it takes away the joy of actually giving, right? Shifts the dynamic for me. It's like, oh, yeah. I see. I'm just, this is just kind of like a ATM machine. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Wow. That, that's big because yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what I have found is that when you give things, whether it's time or material things or even money, um, when you give those things unconditionally, and again, not without boundaries, you know, if, if you need money and you need $10,000, I can, I can kick in a hundred, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's boundaries, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a Benjamin time, coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, if I'm going to kick in a hundred, I'm, and I know some people have to, I get it. Some people have to say, well, you know, when do you think I'll get that back? For me, if I'm going to give a hundred, I don't really expect that I'm going to get it back because if I do, it's only going to create this awkward dynamic between us that, you know, I'm expecting the money back. I know I'm expecting the money back. And as soon as it goes unsaid, then it's like, wait a minute, is he ignoring this on purpose? And then you're thinking, man, when's he going to ask me about that money? I just don't have it. I don't want to have to say that. I don't want to, you know, instead just do it without any strings attached. And then what you find is that, and maybe not in all cases, nothing's absolute, but what I find is that when I do that, the things I get back from that person or people is way more than than if I were to specify something. Hundred bucks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Give me back a hundred bucks. Okay, I got my hundred bucks. But if zero. I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't ask for it back, mm-hmm. you know, or just said, you know what, you know, hit me back when you can, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm not gonna, ha- you know, every time I see you, I'm not gonna say, hey, where's that hundred? Where's that hundred? Yeah. What I find is, is that what you get back from people is way more than what you gave. And when you specify what you want back, you're limiting yourself Mm -hmm. because then you're limiting the other person in what they can give back to you. Maybe they had an idea to give you back 120 bucks instead of just a hundred, but you focused on that hundred, you know, or maybe instead of the hundred dollars, um, you know, they decided they were going to, you know, uh, take you to a nice steak dinner, you know, that ended up being, you know, way more than a hundred because it's a really nice place. Or you get a really nice gift for your birthday, you know, just whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. even really matter. What matters is, is that you did it without, without strings. I can't, you know, without conditions, but not without boundaries. Yeah. And then you will get back way more than what you, what you gave because it, you didn't yeah. think enough to ask for what you want specifically, unless you're asking somebody for help. Then you need to be very specific. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you hit it on the head. If, if you surround yourself with good people. Um, what you get back is is going to be ex- exponential. If you take the bookie approach, 
Yes. It's transactional, but you might get a hundred bucks and a really nice bottle of wine back. Ain't that yes. a nice surprise? Oh, look. And giving gives hope. Like yes. it, res- it restores a certain amount of hope in people. Absolutely. And, and you feel good giving back instead of obligated, like, okay, you want the hundred, here's your damn hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and every conversation you have isn't filtered through Yes. You owe me money. I owe you money. I feel lesser than. It's not that. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, you know, I'm inferior because I owe you something, you know. Yep. It, you're a golly. And so, yeah. And I just, I, the, the way it all ties back to time, though, is that you had to spend time making money if you're going to loan out the money, right? Mm. But again, that's a decision that you can make. And if you do make that decision, don't don't have a lot of attachments tied to it, you know. And again, it doesn't have to be dollars. It could be like you give you give up a Saturday morning. You can you know it's very easy. You know, some people make it hard on themselves where they don't say anything. They show up for the morning, and the next thing they know, it's you know three in the afternoon and the day's gone. Whereas if you're being asked, you can say, you know what, no problem. I can help, but I can only give you an hour in the morning. You know, starting at 9 a.m., we start at 9, I have to be done by 10, I've got other commitments. You don't have to say what they are, and they may not even nope. be commitments, yeah. but you know what? <laughs> You're committed to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Man, that's well put. And make it rewarding for yourself. If you're given an mm-hmm. hour on a Saturday that you typically wouldn't, yeah. go the scenic route and go by that donut shop you never go by, but it's always in the back of your head. Like, like yes. make it a reward for you. I mean, giving is rewarding in itself, obviously, but... Look for the opportunities for you to go. That was a that was a good morning spent. That was cool. Well, you had me at donuts. <laughs> what <laughs> what you said about um, giving money out specifically about money. One of my life mentors. I was really close to him for ten years. He told me so <laughs> so many things. Not not all sage from the mountain, but I think this one was. <laughs> um, he said, "Don't ever put out any money you expect to get back." There you go. Do not get your hopes up on whether it's at the gambling table or with people. Mm-hmm. You, life will be a lot easier if you... Or investing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gambling. <laughs> yeah. Gambling. Same thing. Right? Uh, and, and, and I never... You know, I was 23 when I met him. So at that time, every penny was critical to me. But over time, I really understood what he meant. You know, people are going to ask for a hundred bucks here and there. You're going to, you're going to need to, it took me way back to junior high where there was this guy, he was like three grades ahead of me. And I ran into him randomly. So he's like, Hey man, you got five bucks for gas. And then I was in junior high, I was working, I was making my own money on evenings and weekends. I was like, yeah, no big deal. Five bucks was, wasn't much to me. In my mind, in junior high, uh, I would get that money back, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I must have bugged that guy for the entire school year. Uh, hey, man, you got that five bucks? And I probably looked like a jackass at some point. And he clearly <laughs> thought I was stupid because he'd always be like, oh, yeah, man, I'll get that to you. And because he was three years older, you know, there's a power dynamic that you <laughs> yeah. you, you don't want to reach. Yeah. <laughs> to this day. Never saw that five bucks. You, you know? never got it back. <laughs> and, but if but if I had <laughs> the interest on that thing, if, <laughs> but if I had had that advice earlier on, 
I never would have thought mm-hmm. about it twice. And, you know, could have spent that instead of shaking him down all year. Yeah. I could have spent that time <laughs> doing other shit. Well, and, and who who are you really making it easier on? Are you making it easier on the person you're loaning it to or and or gifting it to? Or are you making it easier on yourself? You're taking the pressure off you because you're having to spend all that energy and time chasing something that isn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we talked about the value of time. Would you rather spend time chasing something that isn't going to happen or would you rather spend time chasing something that will happen? Yeah, yeah. It might make you more than five bucks. <laughs> yeah, time, money, resources, respect, gratitude. It's all... It matters. Yeah, it's all connected. In, yes. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I typically don't put you on the spot, but I wanted to see if there's... You know, it's, it's, um, my heart goes out to you for, for losing, uh, another parent, man. I, I'm fortunate enough. I don't know if that's the right word, but I haven't lost any of my parents yet. Um, in this week of dark isolation and limited distractions, is, is there anything, um, you'd want to share with me offline or, or for the show? That's a really good question, and and I I really appreciate y'all's thoughts and and, and prayers, um, and the outpouring of support has been tremendous, you know, from my my uh, inner circle, and um, and it really shows you who who your friends are. Um, but in terms of what I've learned, is that well, a lot of what I went through this week took me back to my time overseas. Uh, without the shooting, mm-hmm. without the shooting, right, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yet it almost yeah. got to that. We're in Texas, by the way. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I did take note of that. I do have a certain way to handle uh, things that are are unpleasant, less than ideal, and downright heartbreaking. Um, and for me, that is that things got to get done right no matter what so and 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 i had this mindset in combat as well you can either you know freak out or panic and run around going what do we do what do we do or you can you know stop and think about what's in front of you and what are your options um and you might think well that takes too much time and you know but you can do all that in a split second if you had to um you know, uh, even in combat, you know, soldiers would ask, well, Sarge, what happens if they're, uh, if they're shooting at us? And I'm like, well, then you shoot back. Right. And they're like, oh yeah, but what if, what if there's more of them than us? And I said, well, then if you fall, you fall forward, always fall forward. And they're like, well, what does that mean? I said, that means that even if your name's on it, they didn't get the best of you because you went forward, not back. You didn't run. You faced them. Yeah. And and I've always yeah. taken that to heart. So when I look at something that is a challenge and and everything seems unsurmountable in the moment, right? Loss of power. You don't know when you're going to get it back. Mm-hmm. That just seems like a forever thing. Mm-hmm. Um, God, you lose a parent. That is a forever thing, you know, at least for the rest of, of, of your life, right? And yet where I find solace is where I say, okay, what needs to be done? Whether it's, you know, what did my dad 
what would my dad want me to do or what needs to be done to make sure that he gets what he needs even afterwards? You know, is he getting his wishes taken care of? Is, um, is, you know, he was only married less than two months. So is his, is his wife getting what she needs? Um, and so I would check on her. So it becomes a series of tasks that when you focus on the tasks and not the situation that brought about those tasks, the next thing you know, Mm. you're done. It's over. It's behind you now. And you handled it, um, you know, with, with, with a calm head. Right. And, and frankly, it went by way faster because you kept busy trying to solve what's in front of you. Does that make sense? It a hundred percent does. There's, those two words fall forward is so profound. If you pause and think about it, it's, it's next level to like finish yes. strong. It's, it's, I think it's kin to that notion, but it's, it's so profound. And I, I tend to agree. I speak from, you know, without experience, but um, you want to do right by them. There's something about their legacy that you're trying to, um, preserve honor perpetuate maybe i don't know um i i hear you so thanks for sharing that i appreciate you asking um you know it's not something you know again with pandemic times and being snowbound it's not something you get to talk a lot about and um it does feel good you know to talk about and actually as i'm sitting here talking to you i'm actually looking at at a picture of my dad my wife printed it out and it's a recent picture which i don't have that many of and uh, he's just mm-hmm. giving me this sly grin. So I know he's up to something up there, you know, because <laughs> that's my dad. You know, he was always uh, kind of a troublemaker, you know. And uh, so that's he's got funny. this sly smile that's like funny. he's up to something. And, um, you know, and yeah. So, I mean, look, it wasn't like we called each other every day. And, it was, you know, we would text each other on holidays and birthdays. Um, but he would come down for visits. And, you know, we got to meet his his now his you know, his now wife and before they even got engaged, he wanted us to meet her and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but, you know, we had, at least we had a, um, we were on good terms. I don't know if healthy, I mean, you know, when you're talking about family, is anything truly healthy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Family's it, tricky. it is tricky. It, it is complicated, but at the same time, I, you know, I do love my dad uh, very much. And, you know, he's always, he'd always been there, you know, and and there were obstacles thrown up when, you know, he divorced my mom. There were all kinds of, Mm. you know, um, ex-wife obstacles, but also, you know, uh, you know, uh, court-based obstacles and societal obstacles for him staying in the lives of me and my brother. And yet he did, he fought, and made sure that he was always a part. And that inspired me to be, you know, that kind of dad to my boys. And I ended up having to fight, uh, you know, to be in their lives and to, you know, have them um, actually live with me. They, you know, they lived, uh, you know, their, their preteens all the way till graduating and moving out, you know? And um, so I'm blessed for that because that doesn't always happen, but it took a lot of money and a lot of time but my dad inspired me that you don't give up because it's worth it. Yeah. Th- those are your kids and, and that's who you fight for. That's that, you know, they, them and your, your wife, if you have one, th- those are the reasons you get up in the morning. So 
you know, yeah. keep, yeah. keep fighting. And he taught me so much growing up and I, I shared stories already in just a few episodes that we've had, but he has, you know, again, inspired me. Um, he's the reason I wanted to be a soldier my whole life growing up. I mean, some people want to be astronauts and doctors and me, I always wanted to be a soldier and, and I, and I achieved that. I, I, I realized, you know, that dream. Um, but yet just being a soldier wasn't enough. I wanted to be, you know, a, a good soldier that, that he would be proud of. And, um, and he's, he's told me more than once that I, that I, I did that. I mean, for him, I mean, he was, he was a Vietnam vet and he was just blown away that I went to desert storm in 91, um, as a full-time, you know, army soldier, regular army. And then I got out in 91 after the, the Gulf war. And I want to say 13 years after nine 11 happened. So I'd been out of the army 13 years, nine 11 happened. I dropped 80 pounds. I went into the reserves and we ended up going overseas, you know, again, and both times I was in Iraq, um, I saw Kuwait on my second tour, you know, in 2004, but in 91, I never saw Kuwait. It was Saudi Arabia and Iraq only, um, cause of our mission was a little bit different. So I never saw Kuwait until 2004, but to my dad, you know, and my, my contract actually expired in the middle of my tour over there as a reservist. And, and so I mm. finished my tour literally with no contract. Um, but <laughs> it didn't, you know, it, it, it didn't matter to me, but yeah, I dropped 80 pounds, you know, rejoined as a reservist, didn't have to, wasn't under any obligation, you know, it wasn't like they had my number and they were going to call me after 13 years, you're done, you're done, done. Like they, <laughs> you know, um, but I felt I was yeah. young enough to still be able to contribute. And, and so, you know, I got, I got the respect of my dad, not that I didn't have it before, but he really thought that was a big deal going back in when I didn't have to. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, anecdotally, and from, just even from things I read, a certain amount, no matter what your child parent configuration is, a nod from your parent of approval is almost the singular thing children look for unless you know unless your parents like a horrible piece of garbage but i i think that i think that even plays in you know they they were your first and and longest figure of authority um getting them your first to, hero yeah 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 in in some way or another um and getting them to give you a nod of of sort of acceptance and approval or pride is major so I'm glad you got that. Yeah, no, thank you. And, you know, just, just one last point is that, you know, my, my youngest son called me on, on Sunday and, um, hadn't heard from him in a while. You know, my two youngest are in the army. They're both sergeants. <laughs> and, um, so I hadn't heard from them in a while and, you know, I told them their, their grandpa passed. And so my youngest is, is, uh, you know, he's, he's really, he's real in tuned to things. So he's like, dad, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'll, I'll call you over the weekend. And so he called me over the weekend and, you know, I was kind of listening to some of his stories, you know, being a sergeant in the army and some of the things that he's, that he's doing in his day to day. And the bottom line of what he's doing is he's taking care of soldiers, which is an NCO's job. Mm -hmm. 
you take care of soldiers, you, you guide them, you lead them. Yeah. You, uh, you know, have to, uh, you know, punish them if needed, you know, you've got to, you know, have that, give them discipline. Um, but then again, you're subject to the same, you know, so it's not like you're above it. Right. So if you screw up, yeah, you're going to get disciplined too. But the approach that he was sharing with me, it, it, it almost brought tears to my eyes because I didn't really have an opportunity or maybe I, maybe I did and just don't realize it, but I don't really think I had an active role in shaping their approach to leadership. And yet when I heard how he was approaching it, it was almost a mirror image as to how I approached being an NCO, you mm-hmm. know, overseas in 2004. Sure. Yeah. It was almost like like for like, and I, I, I mean, I was, I was getting choked up, and I just told them, I said, because I don't want there to be any ambiguity. I said, son, I am so proud of the leader you've become, and that, and I hope that you continue to grow and learn new things to become an even better leader each and every day. He goes, Dad, that's what I strive for. I want to be better oh, yeah. than the day before, and I'm not going to stop. But again, his approach is very human, and I think you and I have discussed at least you know, my vision of leadership, which is, you know, to kind of be more of a servant leader, not a pushover, right? But a servant yeah. leader where you're you're guiding by example, or you're taking the time to understand the human, you know, behind the name. Mm-hmm. Um, or if somebody is, you know, performing under their own capabilities, you, really, you want to diagnose why that is and, and get to the root of it. And that's what he's about. He does that. He, you know, he asks, you know, hey, I've seen you kind of moping around and not really you know, having much pep, what's going on? And they'll open up. And so just the fact that he cares enough to ask uh, means a lot. And you never know how many soldiers he then uh, helps to become better soldiers, better leaders, because that's really what the army never has a shortage of is is good leaders. They have leaders, (laughs) lots of them. Uh, But good leaders are in very short supply. And if he's helping to groom you know, a crop of good leaders just by giving a shit, but also taking that humanistic approach and taking his role uh, as a non-commissioned officer seriously um, to the point where he doesn't compromise on that. Uh, Again, it just, it just brought a tear and I made it and I made sure he knew, son, I am so proud of you. I want you to know that I am really, really proud of you and I'm excited to see your journey. Yeah, man. And you just fed his soul with those words. And what he's doing is, I mean, you planted, well, who's to say chicken or egg? I mean, your dad planted the seed, his dad probably planted the seed, but there's a legacy that's being passed on and perpetuated. And so when your son's being honored, you know, for being an awesome leader of leaders and, hey, what was your secret? I just modeled my dad, you know, and you're there, you know, you're, you're, your existence is present in his, his daily achievements. It's good stuff. Yeah, the only way, the only time I get brought up is when, um, before he made sergeant, he, you know, he was lower enlisted, and you know, he might get in trouble over something and have to write a write an essay or something, and and he would tell that sergeant, "Man, you're just like my dad." And he goes, "Why is that? Because every time I screw up, I got to write a thousand word essay." <laughs> uh, you know, I'll bet, it, I'll bet it, you come up more than that. You just haven't found out yet. but i I, but i again i'm just even if i had nothing to do with it i am just so glad that he is a human-centered leader with 
you know, uh, ethics and morals and, and doing the good things instead of using, you know, his per, you know, his own level of power that he has for his own benefit only, you know? Um, so I'm just really happy to see that, that, that there's another person out there in the world that thinks of more than just themselves. Yeah. You you did good there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks buddy. (laughs) Well, is it time to wrap it up? I think I think that's uh, I think that's an episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and and it's got me thinking. We've got our running list of topics. You know, we're gonna show show our cards a little bit. Um, and I think one I'd like to pick up for the next episode or next recent one is would be fatherhood, just in general. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I might spring one on on you as well, but uh, maybe we'll I'm talk up. about that in our production meeting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, I think it goes to say we're both up for any topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But as always, it's been uh, great chatting with you, my friend, and want to thank all of our listeners, you know, for giving us a listen and putting up with our anecdotes. And uh, hopefully you like what you hear, maybe learn something and uh, we are certainly hoping that uh, you'll catch us again next week because we are definitely looking forward to uh, seeing how did that work out. Yeah, yeah. Definitely worked our way out of the snow. <laughs> it ended up working out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Be well, my friend. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Be part of the conversation. Join our interactive community where you can engage with Mike, Jay, and Graham, as well as other like-minded listeners just like you. Head over to hdtwoshow.locals.com and come on out and hang.